You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talma, and Imam uh, Rana Atta Rahman. So, um, yeah, the news about Turkey and Syria, it's very, yeah, it's just very you know, distressing, isn't it, seeing those images? And we, we get these little nuggets of hope I suppose when you've got people who survived under that rubble for five days being pulled out yeah no and we keep praying for those people yeah. to um, you know may God help them and may all the other western nations and all the nations in the world whatever help they can provide mm-hmm. they can hopefully send them and we can hopefully recover more, mm. more people and I'm going to give a bit of a plug to uh, our community's own uh, charity Humanity First we've actually got responder teams uh, I believe they are located in the city of uh, Hittai. Um, and so if you want to uh, and you feel the, the, the urge to um, pledge some money, donate some money, please go to our website, the Humanity First website, uh, hfuk.org, and you'll see everything uh, regarding uh, the, well, the, 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 the response uh, that Humanity First has. But even if you don't, Donate through Humanity First. There's just giving, uh, uh, you know, a multitude of charities because um, you know it is, you know, the numbers are soaring uh, every day because uh, it's it's now, you know, the prayers are there for those who are still kind of like missing, uh, but it is getting teetering on that edge where it's not uh, rescue but it's recovery, unfortunately, isn't it? That, that's exactly the way it is, and so. Um this is a chance for everyone, uh, whoever, you know, this is an opportunity. That God Almighty always provides, you know, opportunities for us as humans to mm-hmm. um, make our efforts in uh, helping humanity. So uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but this is your chance to mm-hmm. help in any way, even through like, you know, uh, recycling. Clo- it's not necessarily recycling, but yeah, donating providing clothes. donating clothes for yeah. people in this tough winter. Yeah, they especially it's need it in such. Yeah. yeah, so on, on, on the Turkey Syria uh, Syria border, yeah. where all those are affected, make the best opportunity of gaining as much uh, you know rewards from God Almighty. Yeah, from some this, blessings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, um, on Monday show, as with all drive time shows, we have uh, you know a variety of subjects and topics that we cover. So what are we covering? We've got two topics today. What are we covering today? Right. Well, we've got the the first topic in regards to um, county lines, oh, okay. yeah, county line gangs and their criminal networks, mm-hmm. county line gangs, drugs. Uh, so that's pretty much the first. Uh, yeah, it's an ever hour. increasing problem, isn't it? It is, and and it's going to be you know hopefully we're we're in we're trying not we but as a as a society we hope that this is reduced uh, with time. But considering all the current situations, economic mm-hmm. issues. Um, you know, it is it does, increasing. It does put a stress on it. Yeah. You know, when you're tempted, um, you know, as an as adolescent, and even not even an adolescent, as yeah. a very very young child, uh, you know, you're tempted uh, by these things that uh, these dealers are 
are basically you know kind of like waving in front of getting, you, getting yeah. getting you involved yeah. in. And considering, look, if you're if if it's sad to think that you know if the younger people who are so much more vulnerable, if they're getting more and more involved in this, so the people who are a lot more mature, uh, you know, uh, and are in this life. Um, so this could be something that's going to stick with you forever. So um, it needs to be something that we should hope that it's stamped out from a very early age. So we'll be looking, I think, um, into the um, the factors that uh, are around county lines uh, and this uh, traf- trafficking of drugs uh, from the city into the kind of suburbs, into the country areas, and you know, seeing if there is. A, a remedy to it, a long-term solution. And um, what are we going to be talking about in our, in our second hour? Well, the second hour is uh, something that's pretty much what we're doing right now, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- th- <laughs> it is it is radio, the importance of radio, mm-hmm. you know, the power of radio, con- especially considering a time where TV, social media, uh, internet, mobile phones, mm-hmm. uh, laptops, you know, these are pretty much every everyone has any mm-hmm. one of these things. Um, but you know, is the radio out of fashion? If it's not out of fashion, what it's is it still what what does mm. what I is mean, the power it still holds? If we think about uh, what's happening in um, in Turkey and Syria, yeah. right? There can't be too much uh, mainland power, exactly, right? That's uh, there. Yeah, you know, an old kind of like radio. Radio is, radio with batteries is still is still keeping you in touch with outside world. It's it? the necessity for so many mm-hmm. of these sort of situations. And uh, when I was in Africa, you know, I saw the importance of the radio in terms of preaching as well, mm-hmm. and what it's uh, you know how the preachers in uh, from our community, the Amdia community, uh, the emphasis they lay on it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, radio spreading. There's mm-hmm. so many like for instance, voices. Obviously, there are so many stations mm-hmm. in various parts of Africa which the community is running. Mm, excellent. So we'll go more in depth into or regarding Radio Day, uh, the UNESCO kind of trademark on Radio Day. But without further ado, we'll go straight into county lines. Um, and, you know, county lines, you know, dis- ultimately destroying uh, young lives. Now, Ibn Umar reported that uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, as saying... Every intoxicant is come, and every intoxicant is forbidden. Now, country, uh, county lines, I should say, uh, drug gangs are a growing problem in the UK. They exploit the young and vulnerable uh, and ultimately are destroying their lives. Now, according to BBC News, every week, children crisscross the UK on buses, trains, and they're ferrying drugs as part of this country or county lines uh, operation. Now, as the cost of living crisis hits families, children as young as seven, as young as seven, right, are being exploited and driven into the clutches of these uh, drug cartels. Uh, Criminal drug gangs pose a serious threat to society. They're exploiting young people and causing harm to communities across the world. and domestically, I should say. Now, addressing this problem requires uh, a multifaceted approach. You can't just look at only one uh, situation or one issue. Uh, you have to kind of like, you know, approach it from, you know, multidimensional uh, routing. Now, including uh, investment uh, in education, job creation, and support for the young people. You have to give them, I suppose, Rana, something else uh, to fill that the that that I wouldn't say void, but that's all that's coming to my mind currently. Yep. Yeah, but that void that these uh, these, this isn't these, the line these, these you, gangs. Yeah, right? this isn't the line you want to be going through. Yeah. So um, 
you know, you just think back at your own childhood. What was that which you would rather do? Like, luckily for in my case, and I'm, I'm assuming in your case as well. So um, <laughs> we haven't had to go through these yeah. things, right? So it's always a time to, as our listeners would, re- re- remember what was that mm-hmm. which made your childhood uh, the essence of it. Not yeah, you yeah, know, a happy childhood. Exactly. But, you know, I can I can understand. Uh, we've done previous programs regarding county lines and you know we've had guests on and uh, in fact we've actually had ex-drug uh, dealers who uh, you know have told us exactly how they attract you know these these children yeah. and it's not uh, and you would have thought maybe as an outsider not knowing about the issue or not knowing how they are attracting these kids yeah that they're um, you know uh, given uh, an Xbox, given these you know computer games, given mobiles, given money. Actually, a lot of it is just being given day-to-day things. Yeah. You know, maybe I don't want to stereotype uh, these children, but they're coming from a you know a, you know, a low-income family. Maybe yeah. it's a single-parent family, yeah. right? They're finding, and especially currently, finding it very hard to make ends meet, yeah. and just a washing machine, yeah, um, you know, food on the table. So these aren't kind of like extra, you know, you don't thinking, oh, right, okay, these drug dealers. Yeah, let's get them a pair of trainers for yeah, instance. Something yeah, like something that. like that. It's yeah. actually, you know, and so, so it's, for, I mean, I'm not condoning it, right, yeah. in terms of the actual, um, these mules, let's yeah. call them, right, or the, 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 you know, the kids who are actually attracted to this yeah. or pulled into this uh, system of uh, drug trafficking. But you can understand you know the motivation, motivation yeah, and the it. pressures that they're under. Um, I mean, you know, what are exactly for our listeners who don't know? What are ca- uh, county lines, Rana? Well, county lines, uh, county lines gangs are criminal networks that are involved in the distribution of drugs, typically from urban areas to smaller towns and rural areas. The term county lines refers to the transportation of drugs and other illegal items across geographical boundaries, usually from cities to more rural areas. These gangs operate by using young people to transport drugs and money between cities and rural areas, putting these young people at risk of arrest, violence and exploitation. Criminal drug gangs are a major threat to society, exploiting vulnerable young people and causing untold harm to communities across the world. These gangs lure young people with promise of wealth, power and status only to enslave them in a life of crime and violence. One of the main ways that county line gangs exploit young people is through grooming. Gang members often target vulnerable young people, offering them money, drugs or protection in exchange of their loyalty. They groom these young people over time, slowly building trust and dependence until the young person is fully entrenched in the gang and cannot escape. County line gangs often exploit young people by making them, by making them work long hours for little pay. Mm. And, you know, these young people who become involved in these gangs uh, are often forced to work these long hours. And, you know, you'd think, you know, once, once they've taken the lure, yeah. it's like a fish, really. You're yeah. fishing, right? Once you're in it. Yeah, once, you know, it might take a long time for them to get hold of you. But once you're on the end of that hook, yeah. they're not going to let you go. They're not going to let you go. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we hear about things, uh, we read about things. And in regards to the drug trade, the drug uh, 
cartel trade. It's mm. one of those um, things. Once you get into it, as as mentioned in our mm. little introduction, you know how. Um, I mean, getting, think, think about getting it out though, of it right? is, is not just you as a person. Yeah, it's I your mean, families that are also yeah, on the line because of exactly. it as well. So. I mean, the thing is, you know, if you're a youngster, yeah. right, and we're talking about these seven-year-olds, yeah, they're yeah. not even going uh, into secondary school, right? Yeah, year so two, the, year yeah, two. the year two, yeah. right? So you know, you can imagine, even you know, uh, if if you put an analogy, even if peer bullying, right? is a hard thing for them to accept. Yep. Can you imagine, right, if you actually get involved with one of these county line yep. or are un- unfortunate enough to be involved with a, or one of these county, county line lines, yep. gangs, how are you going to ever get out? How are you going to ever get out? Right. And uh, just the, the, the emotional uh, trauma that you mm-hmm. go through at such a young age of yeah. uh, knowing that... And physical. Yeah, f- physical as well. Yeah, there's got to be some there well, physical yeah. threat there. Exactly. But we've got our first guest of the day to talk more regarding this. Uh, we're joined by Rory Scriven, who is founder and chief executive of Youth Voice. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace, peace be upon you, Rory. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. You're absolutely welcome. Uh, it's, it's quite you. So, Rory, right, we're talking about county lines and how it's ultimately it's destroying young lives. Yeah. So, just mm-hmm. for our listeners, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your organisation, Youth Voice? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, my name's Rory Scriven. I'm the young chief executive of Youth Voice. Uh, in my childhood, I grew up in the care system. Uh, and at the age of 15, I founded Youth Voice. Uh, it was a few of my friends. We're uh, an organisation that's headquartered in Manchester and mm-hmm. we work across the North West. Uh, we run the range of programmes uh, which upskill the potential of thousands of young people across our city region. Uh, and we also work to influence change within public policy. Mm. Rory, nice to speak to you. Um, I, sorry, Rana, can I just, uh, just, sorry, just no, jump, probably, jump no. in there? I mean, what motivated you then? Because that's an early age, right? What motivated you mm. to start this organisation? What was the, uh, the the key driver? Yeah, so uh, this topic, what we're talking about today, uh, is it matters a lot for me. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of people who are in the care system go, go down that route just because being in care makes you so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I got involved in, in social action, so making a change within the community about things that really mattered to me. And I, I stumbled across it. And for me, social action, uh, it sounds so cheesy, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of, it, it changed my life in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I definitely saw the, the path where I was heading and definitely down the, the criminal justice route, if I right. continued. Right. And that just because I was being vulnerable and exported mm-hmm. down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, for me, I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, systematic change mm. within the within the child social care sector, yeah. uh, just because of the, the, the lack of stability and discrimination mm. that is against care experienced people, mm. um, and giving young people a voice as well in decisions that affect their lives. So, they're really the, the two things that majorly motivate me to do what I do. Mm. Mm. Uh, Rory, I'm going to try. <laughs> How do county lines gangs exploit young people to sell drugs? So, uh, I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So, definitely, um, when you were saying earlier that obviously we don't want to, to stereotype, but uh, statistics and data show from the Children's Society, uh, which is a leading UK charity fighting child exploitation, 
where it shows that children, young people from lower income families and, and kind of from uh, lower socioeconomical uh, neighbourhoods are more likely to be exploited. And that often will be um, that, that criminal gangs will approach them. Okay. And they, they might even say, uh, so I'll give you a scenario, do you want some money? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then often that will tie them into, so it may be that uh, I'll give you £100 if you deliver this parcel and they won't know what's in that parcel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it may be that they keep going back because they want that money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, then they get exploited. Once you're in it, it's a very, very hard thing to, to leave. Mm. Well, what usually happens if, for instance, a kid wants to, you know, how how do they get out then if that's the... Yeah, I mean, you know, what are yeah, the consequences of actually being involved, you know, uh, in these gangs for the young people? So, say, for instance, you know, we, we go with that scenario. You start off mm-hmm. by, say, say um, you know, you're... you're Picking up these packages, you don't know what the pa- what's inside the packages, and you're just doing it. In fact, you know you're you're almost like a, a UPS delivery guy, right? Delivery yeah. kid. And I suppose in your mind, you're like, well, I'm not doing anything uh, criminal. I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm just delivering a package, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know what's in the package. But say, for instance, you know, once you get to know what's in that package, and you might actually feel if you're that uh, delivery kid, okay. Uh, that adolescent who's been drawn into it, mm. I actually, you know what, I don't, you know, I, I didn't realise, seriously, I didn't realise it was drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, right? I mean, so what are the consequences that face, you know, these unfortunate children who are caught up in this system? It's, uh, it, it, it's very sad, so often criminal gangs will set in young people once, once they actually know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. For some young people, they'll know what they're doing from the start. But for many who are the most vulnerable in society, they'll be targeted and they won't know. And unfortunately, when they do find out there, they're already stuck in that loop and it's very, very hard to escape. Mm. Um, but, but often they'll threaten uh, their friends, their family, uh, through obviously um, violence. Uh, so it's, it's a very hard thing. But definitely the consequences of being involved in encountering for young people uh, can can range to a number of different things. It can be from violence, but also and getting involved in violence, which mm-hmm. very unfortunately many young people get stabbed in this country, mm-hmm. um, which is so unfortunate, and that's on the rise as well. Um, just a, a few days ago, a young girl was murdered in Warrington, mm-hmm. um, which is very, very sad. Uh, but consequences can range from that, but also as well criminal records, which... Obviously, criminal record for, for anyone can, can affect your, your life choices. But when you're vulnerable, that's not set upon you. Mm-hmm. And the police target these young people as criminals, mm-hmm. not, not you know young people who have been exploited. They just see them as criminals. Mm-hmm. And what that does to society is that we're getting young people who aren't actually criminals because they've been exploited, they're very vulnerable. So, Rory, how you know, in terms of the criminal, uh, the whole yeah. criminal justice system, how has that addressed the issue of county line lines gangs and drug exploitations of young people? Simply enough, we don't do enough to support young people in this mm-hmm. country. When it comes, so something that we really need to focus on is early intervention. Mm-hmm. We need an education system that within PSHE teaches young people properly about this education. Uh, but also better support for youth work for young people 
who who are vulnerable okay. uh, to, 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 to tackle that issue. Mm. So, Rory, I mean, the criminal justice system, in terms mm. of, uh, say, um, you know, drug trafficking. So, effectively, yeah. what you're saying is that uh, you know the police, the uh, just look at you know whether you're a seven year old, you're an eight year old, fifteen year old that you're part of that criminal organization and treat you as a criminal, correct? Yeah. So there's no discrimination or no, I shouldn't say discrimination, wrong word, no differentiation as to whether, you know, looking into the backstory of yeah. maybe, uh, you know, one of these, these kids, yeah, that actually were they motivated, did they join on their own, right? Were they a actual um, constituent partner towards it towards these uh uh to being part of a gang or were they lured in um i suppose there's there's no kind of um structure right in the criminal justice mm. system to assess that yeah. hello rory oh, yeah um i mean it's, it's very complex mm -hmm. i suppose it's kind of a case-by-case -case scenario but mm. so many young people do get lured in and mm. as I said, when, when you get lured in, it's a very hard thing to escape. Because often, when, when you're vulnerable... So I know that there was a, there was a video that I watched um, a few weeks ago, published by the Children's Society, mm -hmm. of, a, of a case study. And it was a young person who was excluded from school and was very vulnerable. They were um, an alternative educational provision. Um, and there was gangs who would wait outside that school. I know mm -hmm. that in the care system as well. Uh, many gangs will, will hang outside of uh, residential homes to target the most vulnerable in the care system. So Rory, in terms of like you've highlighted prevention, it's, there's not enough prevention. So I would like to hear what you think in regards to uh, what can be done to prevent young people from being exploited by county lines, gangs and involved in drug-related crime scenes. I think definitely, as a society, we need to invest more in youth work. Mm -hmm. So... Um, data that's published by a, a charity called UK Youth shows that for every one pound we invest in youth work, it returns six pounds and 32p uh, in societal benefits ranging from uh, higher employment rates uh, and, and community action and things like that. So investing more in youth work will definitely transform the lives of young people who have currently been exported and will definitely prevent young people from being exported because it's, it's when you have a youth worker, it's someone that you can go to, someone mm -hmm. that you can talk to honestly, free of judgment, okay. and they're there to support and guide you. Um, and it also finds your passion in way in life, almost, because uh, youth work definitely does have the power to transform the lives of young people from an early intervention standpoint. Okay. It's just when we have that conversation, when is too late? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, true. I mean, I suppose it's never too late, really uh mm -hmm. to to try and you know reach out uh to these kids yeah i mean rory the thing is i mean i've seen it over the years you know most probably the uh last 12 years if not 13 15 years let's say right a, a yeah. slow not regarding or the increase or maybe there is some kind of correlation right between the increase of uh these county line gangs and the use of you know, children as being their mules, uh, that's been increasing. Whilst mm. you know, your point being, you know, these uh, social services, youth centres, right, community youth centres, mm. has been on the decrease. You know, in the last ten years, I mean, local government, if not central government, has just pulled the plug 
in terms of investment in these because I I, I look at you know my local community and I see you know yeah. things like scouts halls right things like youth centres they're not you know there any or maybe there were five ten years ago right now there's only one. So you don't yeah. have that. And I can understand there's also that dynamic whereby, um, you know, you don't, sometimes you have problems, right, as a kid. Yeah. And you feel that maybe you can't go to your parents with them, right? And it's mm. better to talk to, uh, a, you know, someone in your peer group or say, for instance, a community, like you're saying, like yeah. a youth worker, right? I mean, so with that kind of correlation of, the increase in these gangs, the increase in them using uh, children uh, as their, you know, their, their kind of like their trafficking system for the drugs from cities into the, uh, more rural communities, and then the decrease of like investment in youth centres. I mean, mm-hmm. is there really what I'm trying to say is, is there really that correlation between you know socioeconomic factors that increase the recruitment of young people into these gangs? Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you're in a vulnerable position uh, and, and when you're struggling to make ends meet, it's mm-hmm. definitely a very attractive factor that that money is played into it. Mm. Uh, but the social and economical factors definitely play in the recruitment of young people into, into county line gangs and, and drug-related activities, for sure. Mm. Uh, just because I think <coughs> where, where you come from, uh, whether you're working class or not, it has a factor to play. Mm, mm. So, have you, you know, from your uh, point of view, you know, yeah. obviously, given you know, not just your your background, right? But what we're looking yeah. at currently today, and you know, we're we're we're, we're February twenty twenty three, right? We've got you know increasing inflation. We've just like you know, we're we're looking for another kind of like increase in our fuel bill come April. Um, Jobs are kind of like scarce out there. You know, there's the negative impact on Brexit on the economy as well. So, you know, we're going through this cost of living crisis. So do you think, you know, the, the, or do the stats bear out that it's on the increase then? Yeah, I think it will increase because when when you look at drug-related activities and almost that kind of that sector, should we almost call it, mm-hmm. will always be there. And there'll always be money pumped into it. And when more and more young people are very unfortunately vulnerable, like the care system, I think we got a just over a 20% increase in the amount of children going into care each year, uh, which is unprecedented. It's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously when more parents are struggling to pay their bills, uh, young people worry as well about the cost of living crisis. They worry for their parents. Uh, they they worry for their relatives, and it also just worries them in the position that they end up. Because a lot of young people, you got to think, it also homelessness is increase, uh, increasing as well. When we're in this rich modern day society, and and that's on the increase, and it's it's terrible. Uh, but now, yeah, I, I think I do certainly think it will increase. But government needs to invest back mm-hmm. into youth centres because these are being. You've got to remember. These youth centres are run by the local community. They're run by organisations and Mm -hmm. youth centres. They rely on donations from local businesses and local people. Mm. uh, And they rely on grants 
for example, when you donate to BBC Children in Need mm-hmm. uh, and, and grants funders like that, they, they rely on the community to serve the community. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have government behind us, the government that's supposed to support us, it's, it's really shameful. It's like they're disregarding young people. Mm. So, Rory, look, we need to somehow um, end this and those who are involved in it, you know, we need to somehow rebuild their lives as well so that they can reintegrate into society and start afresh and live uh, you know, a better life for themselves. So how can society support young people who have been exploited by county lines gangs and help them exit this line and rebuild their lives? Personally, from my experience, youth social action is something that has changed my life. Uh, it gives you increased confidence, increased employability skills. I think we've got to give young people a purpose. They've got to be listened to. They've got to still heard values in in this safe, judgmental free zone. Yeah. But allowing young people to speak out on the issues that uh, affect them and see change happen in in that way is something that is so motivating and can. Uh, propel your life in the lives of others around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that initial kind of, that stage where they exit yeah. what they've been involved with and rebuilding their lives, we definitely need to invest in more community projects that, that help rebuild the lives. Rehabilitate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Who's been exploited. No, but I mean, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Rory, today. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. And I think uh, organisations such as yours and, you know, hopefully, uh, God willing, you know, when you have individuals like yourself, right, who see, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard road, right? But you still see yeah. hope and it's there that, you know, we can, you know, count on you as being yeah. basically like, like our local hero. So it's been, a, it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. You're absolutely welcome. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Have a good day. 0208 687 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And I think uh, what we touched upon with Rory was the cost of living crisis. I mean, what exactly you know, uh, you know, has our research shown us, Rana, about the impact that that's going to have? Well, the pandemic, uh, the pandemic, I should say, saw mm. an increase in the exploitation of young lives by criminal gangs. Now we see an increase due to the cost of living crisis, as we discussed uh, in detail with Rory. The financial pressures on households are forcing young people into the clutches of brutal criminal gangs. The chief executive of Missing People, Joe Yule, said the surge in the cost of living will have a significant financial impact on people across the UK, especially in disadvantaged communities. Young people in deprived areas are already at high risk on going missing, often linked to criminal exploitation. The charity is deeply concerned about reports that desperate children trying to make money for their families are being coerced by gangs to sell drugs. And this is happening against the uh, backdrop of increasing numbers of people reported missing, taking their own lives. They are concerned that these numbers will increase as people face greater financial hardship. Mm, Exactly. And, you know, in terms of, um, you know, how precious our children really are, I mean, what's the Islamic viewpoint regarding that? Well, the Holy Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi he has, in regards to his own kindness towards children, he was an example, you know, one of the softest uh, people, uh, one of the softest persons in mm-hmm. regards to dealing with children, 
daughters. There was uh, numerous uh, narrations of how he gave the importance of being kind uh, towards children. And uh, Islam came at a time where, you know, uh, it might have been a male-dominated society. Mm. And, you know, the beauty of the daughter was reinforced uh, you know, reinstated in Islam reinstated. as well. Mm. So, um, in in that regards, uh, the Holy Prophet ﷺ was the greatest example. And then this is followed on with mm. the promised Messiah ﷺ, uh, peace and blessings upon him as well. Mm. Um, I remember there was a narration where I've read that he was once writing a book, um, mm -hmm. and uh, one of his sons, uh, I can't exactly recall which one, but he kept on, you know. Uh, Dis uh, in a way disturbing him yeah, kept pestering on coming, him yeah, yeah kept on pestering him but yeah. every time he would come into the room mm -hmm. uh, the promised Messiah would just you know sit and watch him let him mm -hmm. do his thing mm -hmm. and then he would go and then he would carry mm -hmm. him writing so uh, kindness is a very mm -hmm. uh, you know important essence of mm. Islam towards children you know children are a very this is their age the more kind you are mm. it's better for they them remember. they should be f yeah they yeah. should be they should feel comfortable in their home mm -hmm. um so mm. that's one aspect of it mm. but uh, there is an, a narration where mm. once a poor woman with her two little daughters came to Hazrat Aisha may Allah be pleased with her Hazrat Aisha may Allah be pleased with her had nothing to offer them except a date that happened to be left over the woman divided the date into two pieces and gave each uh, to the children in the meantime in the meantime the holy prophet came in Hazrat aisha may allah be pleased with her narrated the story of the woman to him he said a person who cherishes love for his children and does his duty to, the, to them shall be saved from the fire of hell so this mm -hmm. is very clear um, yeah. this is a ser in, not just a service but this is a way to uh, uh, safeguard yourself from the ultimate punishment you know mm -hmm. children are a blessing and you've mm -hmm. got to see them as a blessing and mm -hmm. that means that you should just be as kind and nice to them as you mm. can. So, And, you know, one of the points that uh, our previous guest, Rory, uh, was indicating as well, that, you know, with the cost of living crisis, even, you know, these children so young can see the stress that their households are, are under. Yeah. And once again, you know, uh, I might be sounding as if I'm, I suppose, vindicating, yeah. you know, these, these kids, right? I'm not. I'm not condoning yeah. anything like that. Um, it's still drug trafficking at the end of the, day. End of the day. Yeah. But I can understand the factors that are pressurizing them For into sure. making these decisions. And, and it, it kind of hurts to think that, look, a kid as young as seven, well, seven is a bit, you know, it's the extreme number. Let's say mm. 10, 12, right? Yeah. So kids that young have to live in a household where they think, if I don't do something, mm. um, you know, how food is going to come onto the table. So mm -hmm. why are we, as a society... Exactly. Why are we at this situation where these kids that yeah. young are feeling the, you know, you know, the urges when you, you would say you're talking about the third world mm -hmm. and uh, how kids, we had the discussion in regards to um, blood diamonds uh, mm -hmm. recently. Yeah. And we were also speaking in how, you know, young children were being exploited. Well, you know, that's the third world. But if this is mm -hmm. happening here in the in the well, modern. I've got to say, Rana, the, I, I never would have expected. I'm 55 years yeah. old, right? And you don't, you know, you don't was, look it. As well. <laughs> I could never have guessed that, but anyway, near seventy. <laughs> that's, really, that's what I look like. But I truly never expected to ever hear the word or that terminology of food insecurity, 
fuel poverty to be linked to the UK. Exactly. And it's like, uh, you know, it's um, why are we at this? As I said, why have we reached this stage? And That's another, that yeah, is yeah, another that's two hours, <laughs> two hours, right, to, uh, regarding the political stance of this country. But do but, you think that besides the political stance, do you uh, think, look, is this, uh, is this a situation which is drawn up recently or it's just increased recently? I or think was it's, this there it's, for a long time? It, it was... Look, when things are going well, yeah. you know, economies, uh, if we look at it in terms of, say, an economist's point of view, right, yeah. economies uh, are cyclical, yeah. right? They go up and down, they go up and down, yeah? They don't just keep on going up. Yeah. It doesn't happen that way. You have boom, bust, boom, bust, yeah. right? Recession, depression, whatever yeah. you want to call them. So, yes, it was coming. We had, in, say, for instance, in this country, you know, in the 80s, 90s, you had, like, mini-recessions, this one was coming because there are so many um, contributory factors, right, in terms of what the economy or what the UK, where the UK is now, right? Yeah. And we can do a comparative. We can look at how we are comparing to our next door neighbors, yeah. like Europe, although we're not part of them anymore. Yeah. Uh, yes, globally, we all suffered from the pandemic of COVID, yeah. right? It was in a global lockdown. But other countries are coming back out of that, right? Yeah. They are helping, like, so for instance, uh, France. They're helping their citizens by shouldering the burden of increased energy bills, yeah. right? What, what are we doing here? We're not. You know, we've just had Shell post something like £32 billion, right? Yeah. Worth of profits. So, hmm. When you say let's not go political, mm -hmm. it's very hard to avoid, avoid that, it, right? Yeah. So I think it's that thing about governance and really when you are in a position, and I think this is Islamic, right? Yeah. When you are in a position of power and you are governing a country, you have to do it for the majority of the people, right? Majority of the people. With, not with the justice minor. as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. With equity, right? Yeah. And you have to do it in a fair and even-handed way. Currently, if you're a... You know, uh, you know, uh, Joe blogs on the street. Mm -hmm. All you're seeing is the fat cats getting fatter. Yeah, they're getting fatter. <laughs> and they're, they're whatever. But anyway, I, I am drifting, right? Yeah, You've got to pull me back, Rana. No, no, slap so me. It's, it's good. It's good that we're. You know, it's it's all healthy discussion at the end yeah, of the day. True. It's um, but we are actually joined by our next guest of the day, who is an anti-violence practitioner, uh, Hassan Almin. So, uh, peace and blessings be upon you, Hassan. Thanks for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Hiya, thank you. And peace and blessings, blessings be upon you too. No, thank you very much. So we're talking about country lines and the devastating uh, effect it has on young lives, really. I mean, what are the dangers and consequences faced by the, people, uh, the young people who are involved in these gangs? I guess the, it's a multifaceted issue. I, th I think young people don't just join gangs. From my experience and from my years of working with communities... <laughs> There's an underlying vulnerability from economic hardship, mm -hmm. from lack of familial structure, from lack of youth provisions. It's an array of factors, and the dangers they face is once they are in, once they're in, engaged in county lines, there's no way out. Essentially, mm -hmm. for them, they don't see a way out because once they're in that world, they're almost trapped. They mm -hmm. use coercion, they use control, and often they essentially have no other option because they're told that road is off limits mm -hmm. for you now You're part of this gang and there's no chance for rehabilitation there's no chance and it's it's a very it's a very psychological sort of approach that 
of Maine handler's take of really breaking down young people and making them believe that society hates them, that they're isolated, and that there's no chance for reform, where there's quite a few organisations out there working to help young people who are engaging in county lines and criminal activities turn mm. around. So I, I suppose what a lot of people don't realise or fail to realise is the psychological damage that is done. Uh, and I suppose it's quite sophisticated, isn't it, what these gangs do yeah, in terms of their, their grooming of the uh, you know of their potential um, you know potential Mule. Uh, victims Mule. right their mules yeah and not just grooming but just like the, they've just trapped them as well there's mm. no way to as, as the yeah. guest is saying there's, you know it's very difficult they're stuck down that yeah. rabbit hole so um, how does the county lines drug trade impact communities and local residents in multiple ways you know the first and foremost is that you've got young people from Rose local communities out and about engaging in criminal activity. Now, that means you might have some worried parents at home. You might not have worried parents, but you will have cases of crime rates increasing communities, issues with, for example, schooling. A lot of the young people involved in county lines will hop school, will jump school, won't engage in formal provisions of education. And mm. often they're poached from what we call it, what we call PRUs, which are people referral units, which mm-hmm. are essentially hubs where young people who have been excluded from mainstream education go, and from there they're on increased vulnerability that often often in the areas where PRUs are, a lot of residents which I've spoken to have reported how there's been literally gang members circling the PRUs ready to pick up young people and get them engaged in this. <laughs> that's essentially the dire state of affairs we're looking at because it's not just the fact that, I don't know, Linda from down the road or Yasmin from down the road has her kid, kid engaged in county lines. It's also there's about very real impacts of around certain elements county lines has created almost <coughs> of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the thing is, Hassan, right? Yeah, how do these, uh, I suppose, how does this drug trade, this county lines drug trade actually contribute to wider issues such as ultimately keeping in the uh, you know these these families let's say right in uh, this cycle of poverty and crime and gang violence then essentially so uh, circling back to what was said earlier within within sort of sociology and within you put practice a new phenomenon has emerged from council lines Mm-hmm. which is based on child sexual exploitation. It's called child criminal exploitation. From that model, what we've seen is that young people who are victims of child criminal exploitation used by criminals in activities like county lines end up being le- less likely to go to university mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're more likely to be out of formal provision. And often they get caught. And even if it's a, even if it's a young person, they will still get a record and their self-esteem, as I said before, the psychological impact will still be there. And that proves a barrier to accessing any sort of formal education. And for them, what's happened is in their heads, they've often seen, and this is, this has come from to me from a lot of teachers who I've had chats with, that young people have asked them, how do you drive such a nice car, miss? Because mm-hmm. I have thought only drug dealers could. So they've got in this head <laughs> of a mentality mm-hmm. of, a get-rich-quick scheme mm-hmm. and a really a case of 
the only way for me to drive a Mercedes C-Class is for me to be a dealer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when they look around them and they see that they see other people, like, for example, someone working in B&M, they might want to engage in that employment, but they also might not might want to engage in the scaffolding to get them into higher paid jobs, which could mm-hmm. get delivered from the lifestyle which you get from county lines and other forms of exploitation, which they've probably gone through. So uh, do you think the cost of living crisis, um, which we were discussing as well, you know, has this given rise to county lines gangs exploiting young people? Yes, it's, it's literally like literally like putting petrol on a fire that's already burning. Even before the cost of living crisis, the COVID pandemic made it even worse. It exacerbate, exacerbated it because often some of the young people engaged in county lines would go to formal educational provisions. That would mean there was some safeguarding them from the harms, and there was able that school safeguarding leads, teachers, trusted adults, youth workers could intervene. Everything going online that created more vulnerability, and now on top of that, mm-hmm. cost of living crisis. A lot of these young people are facing really, really bleak futures, and are with the general trend in society being face, facing very difficult circumstances of being often really on a low income, being working class. Mm-hmm. having multiple issues going on all at once. It's, it's essentially lit the whole thing on fire. <laughs> and mm. now I, I really do fear that County Lines is going to skyrocket more so and it's going to be exponential growth until we get real investment in young people's futures. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that point of real investment, I mean, how can Hassan, right? Um, because you know what? We can't rely on the government. Okay, so how can communities work together to address this this county lines problem, right? Because you know it's the rural communities who are, I suppose, suffering that sharp end of it because they're where the new market is, right, for these county lines. So you know, and in terms of that community spirit, I've always found right rural communities or smaller towns have a better kind of community spirit anyway. Uh, compared to big cities, right? Um, so you've already got the community spirit there. So, but how can those communities work together to address this increase in drug trade and ultimately protect, you know, their young people? Because you know, oh, yeah, it's like that doctor saying, you know, prevention is better than cure, right? Yeah. Exactly. I guess the number one point is, and this is what we do uh, at the charity where I serve as engagement leaders provide non-judgmental space, provide a judgmental free space for young people to come in and chat and have honest conversations and also to provide them with some reassurance, some guidance. Uh, For example, at my charity, what we often did was bring them in and even if they were involved in gangs, we wouldn't judge them because we understood that they've gone to gangs for a reason, Mm -hmm. not just decided overnight, I want to become a I want to go and get into county lines and often I think society the media really paints it as a black and white phenomena of they chose that life therefore they're bad mm-hmm. no that's not the case I guess young people really need that non-judgmental space and interventions whether it be therapeutic interventions we deliver a lot of therapeutic interventions working with young people mm-hmm. and even communities, they may not have the ability to deliver some therapeutic interventions, but they can carve out space in local 
community halls to engage young people in alternate provisions, alternate activities, mm-hmm. and to actually just sit down and have a chat with them and understand what's going on. There is a real disconnect, especially in rural communities, between those growing up, those and often the older populations that are there. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be addressed. This cleavage needs to be addressed before you've got a bunch of young people engaging county lines and you've got a bunch an aging an aging older demographic often parents grandparents fearing fearing it spite it spiraling out of control but also mm. but not knowing how to how to cope with it right exactly exactly mm. Mm, excellent well uh all power to you uh, uh hassan it's been a pleasure talking to you today on the drive time show thanks for joining us and uh, sharing sharing with us your views Likewise, thank you so much. Take thank care. you. Take care. Yeah, you too as well. Have a good day. O two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And I think something that uh, Hassan was like saying, um as an example, Rana, you know, uh, kids asking a teacher, Oh, you know, how comes you're driving such a nice car? Yeah. You know, are you a drug dealer on the side kind yeah. of thing? I'm right? a bit worried myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you drive a beamer. So jokes aside, right? I you know, and to my mind, straight away it's like role models. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're lacking role models. We're lacking yeah. role models in the sense that um, you know, the role models as we see is for the children who inspires them what what mm. is that what is that person that they want to be so for instance if a role model is a sportsman mm. you know we discussed this as well you know the the if, if that is something an easy way out in terms mm. of the, the luxurious life quickly getting mm-hmm. uh, everything you want um you know that's the market for that is is, is just so narrow isn't it mm-hmm. so um but we but uh, you know, least, what, what we need to—it's a positive one. Isn't it's a positive it, right? one, yeah. and look, I once had a friend who um, someone asked him, "Well, how do I, you know, he has a very nice lifestyle. How do I get to this lifestyle?" Mm-hmm. And he said something very—you know—he was ex- you would expect him to say something completely different, but one thing he said was that get your uh, head into a book, mm-hmm. work hard, mm-hmm. get good numbers, mm-hmm. and a good job, and then yeah. watch how everything comes. You know, these things need mm-hmm. to be highlighted so much more towards these uh, young children mm-hmm. that look even straight GCSE passes mm-hmm. carry on with your education keep going mm-hmm. for as far as you can to whatever ability you have mm-hmm. in terms of your mental capacity I think if you interview or um, hear what see well actually those CEOs who are worth their salt yeah. really uh, they'll always come with you at education knowledge is key knowledge, right? is, key, no- exactly. knowledge is power knowledge right? is power yeah and even in islam we say you know if you have to go as far as china yeah to right? get some knowledge to get, get some knowledge go and get it right and from whoever it doesn't uh, matter what the profession or what kind of background the person mm-hmm. has if they can give you something which is uh, important for your uh, psychological advancement mm-hmm. you should take that opportunity yeah. from that person so once again, I would highlight that, look, uh, this needs to be, there's nothing wrong in being a nerd. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. uh, getting your head down and being socially outcasted in mm-hmm. you know, a group of cool kids. But this mm-hmm. kid is actually you know, doing his best to mm-hmm. improve himself. But because at the end of the day, this kid who's uh, put in all the hard work through his years, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't followed the greatest social sort of mm-hmm. uh, outside life. 
He's is become gonna, Elon Musk, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, You're talking about Elon exactly, Musk. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this needs to be the one that needs to be stressed more on people. Yeah, yeah. True, true. I mean, let's just, you know, uh, we're coming towards the end of the first hour, but, uh, you know, we, we haven't actually touched on our stats. Now, according to April to June 2020 data, there have been uh, 1,630 children uh, suspected to have been exploited by these county line gangs. Uh, now, this is a 20% increase from January uh, to March 2022 data. Uh, the above data included 813 British and 817 foreign nationals. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> uh, shocking stats revealed that out of 589 referrals for drug-related exploitation, 484 were children. 46,000 children in, in uh, England are thought to be involved in gangs, with likely many more. 84% of parents are worried about county lines in their area. 4,000 teenagers are being criminally exploited in London alone. And that stat regarding, you know, 484, uh, sorry, 813 British and 817 foreign nationals. So, you know, we know currently the, the policy with, you know, bringing over refugees, yeah. right? I mean, recently, very, very recently, up to two weeks ago, the Home Office didn't have a clue as to what's happening to a lot of these refugee children that are coming over. Yeah, and look, they, this is uh, part of the whole, you know... Um, the youth awareness as well you know they maybe they i'm not saying that I don't, I don't exactly know if they take this into account as well but this has to be taken into account that the uh, the refugees you know they could easily be targets as well or people from not just children but you know then you would say that okay the refugees is also a vulnerable mm-hmm. part of the society yeah, and unlike them so uh yeah it's a very important point that look if uh Anyone who can be exploited will be exploited by these county lines ga- gangs, right? Mm. So, um, I mean, coming back to Islam, uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, as regards to children, and we've always uh, already touched on it. Yeah. He said, do not curse a child for when you curse, angels add, let it be like that. And like that it becomes. Yeah. Address a child politely and courteously, for a child is a great mimic. If you address it rudely, it will return the compliment in kind. Yeah. Do not lie to a child, nor be peevish or arrogant with it. It will certainly imitate you. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about, role models, role models right? Yeah. But um, you know, when we jump down onto that, I mean, how do we keep, you know, uh, and I think both our guests you know, intimated as to how to keep our children safe. Yeah. And, you know, one, education. We've already talked about that, yeah? You know, children and young people should be educated about the dangers of these gangs, right? Yeah. Uh, and the tactics that are used to exploit them. And they're age-old tactics, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, schools, community organizations, law enforcement, yeah, they should. And if they're not, they should be working together to provide information and support to prevent these children getting sucked into these gangs. Early intervention, you know, prevention is better than cure. You know, that needs to happen uh, in these in these communities. Community engagement, and you know, communities can play a, a you know a vital role in keeping children safe from these gangs. Uh, this can, uh, and I think uh, Hassan was like saying. You know, these include forming community-based organizations, you know, having a community neighborhood watch scheme, right? Uh, identifying when there's, you know, suspicious 
you know, activity in your area. So that's three things. Yeah. What are yeah. the other you know couple of things that we can add on to that? Well, Rana? Um, law enforcement is one thing that you know both of our guests they really emphasised on. They mm-hmm. really wanted that the law enforcement agencies play a critical role in combating county lines gangs and protecting vulnerable individuals, including children. Uh, this can include uh, conducting investigations, making arrests, and working with the communities and other organisations to provide support and resources. So, look, the uh, the police they have to do their mm. thing now. It's look, not just the case of like just I'll arrest them. Yeah, let's try and get one step ahead, right? One step ahead, and, and uh, let's you know if we can stamp it out straight away, that's mm. the best way to go yeah, about it. Yeah. And support for victims. You, this is the most important thing you know I'm just wondering that if I end up into this situation for instance mm-hmm. God forbid or someone who I love ends mm-hmm. up into this situation how are we going to get out of it so support mm-hmm. for victims it is important to, to provide support and resources to children and young people who have been exploited or at or or are at risk of exploitation by these county lines gangs. This can include access to mental health and medical services as well as safe housing and support in leaving gang affiliated areas so um, yeah, this is the uh, thing. Protection as well. I, I'm just wondering, like, for instance, if you're trying to get a guy out of it or mm. a kid out of it, people are going to come after him who he might mm. owe money to or who he knows uh, yeah, secrets because, look, about. Ultimately, it's not just that. It's that affinity of the gang, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like, because look, he has the, the gang cannot let one go. Yeah. Because if they let one go... That's going to maybe you know, have other gang other members people... who are thinking, well, if he's done it, he's, yeah. he's legged it. Right, and he's got away from the gang. Maybe I can. And he's got information on them as well. So well, that's also, the that's the bigger you're issue. You're watching too right? many Netflix <laughs> things. Right? <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean, right? Yeah, Narcos. <laughs> but uh, yes, you know those. It's it's the support scheme yeah. that you have, and rehabilitation exactly, schemes yeah. that you have, right? Uh, to to give, you know, these unfortunate victims, really yeah. uh, victims of country lines, uh, drug trafficking. Uh, a step in the right direction, exactly. a new life, maybe. But we're coming to the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Rana Atta Rahman. So we've just covered county lines, and we're moving on to our second hour. And our second topic of the day is Radio Day. And the theme for Radio Day is peace. Um, In 1995, that was when Marconi invented the very first wireless telegraph. And it wasn't until eight years later, the first ever radio station was introduced in Chelmsford, in Kent. Um, No, not Chelmsford, in Kent. What am I talking about? Chelmsford in Essex, right? So I was just telling Rana about it's not it's it's okay to make mistakes yeah. as long as you correct yourself <laughs> yeah. straight away. There you go, tripped up on my own thing there. Uh, however, back then the system was only capable of transmitting signals up to two miles uh, and over hills, uh, whereas today it's played over a huge medium. Uh, in in fact, nearly three billion people worldwide listen to the radio on a weekly basis and therefore the impact and power that radio has given to the people uh, globally is massive this is just uh, as it was prophesied uh, 1400 years ago in the holy quran chapter 81 verse 8 and when various people are brought together now radio and satellite systems just prove the truthfulness of the holy quran you know of this 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 prophecy 
over 1400 years ago yeah has come to light you know in our present day um so you know when we talk about it we are we are actually marking in this year 2023 the silk year yes silk year mm-hmm. since the first unesco proposal in 2011 to spread awareness of the importance of radio and you know this year's um theme for that unesco's theme is radio and peace so you know do you think rana that the you know what is the real impact has it brought harmony uh, in society or has it actually increased conflicts i think it's it, if you ask me uh, honestly i would say it's um, it's 50-50 and it depends on what you listen to and what mm-hmm. you want to hear from the radio right so if the purpose of the radio for instance our radio voice of islam is mm-hmm. to spread peace mm-hmm. um and to spread a positive image and if this is what you want to hear you know it will uh, if have an Im- impact on you it will mm-hmm. give you uh, a a uh, you know it, it you, the way you deal with people in society you would re- remember those things mm-hmm. it's that positivity is going to mm-hmm. reflect in society mm-hmm. now if you're listening for negativity if mm-hmm. you're listening to uh, you know radio doesn't necessarily have to be just uh, discussions if you're listening just to for you know music for instance mm-hmm. you're listening to gangster rap for instance so so uh, if that What's negative that, man? Uh, gangster you're talking to a 50 year 55 year old actually well, sure. M&M was most weird thing i remember so if you're listening to that sort of stuff and you're in that those lyrics on those stuff mm-hmm. uh, those things they can they can also impact you as well mm-hmm. so it really depends on what you're listening to mm-hmm. and what you want to listen to mm-hmm. so you know. i mean i was thinking like when you said negative uh or or radio which is more of a negative impact i was like thinking it's a bit like you know okay it's the unesco radio day right yeah. and you know we should be talking about radio but in terms of social media um something like uh, a platform like twitter it enables you to have an echo chamber yeah right so if you're that way inclined maybe um you want extremist views yes you yeah. can get radio stations with extremist views which spout yeah uh, untruth exactly right even if we look at um you know our forte yeah. right our forte being islam yeah. right and being you know the the tenets of islam so here on voice of islam i truly believe that we present you know the a true face of islam yeah. right uh the tenets of islam you know the beauty of islam the peaceful religion that it truly that is be, yes. but i have had the opportunity of listening to some more extremists yeah. uh radio stations in islam and they remind me of say for instance if i was to make an analogy uh, you know uh, uh, uh you know no disrespect to catholic priests i'm sure i'm going to annoy a few of them right mm-hmm. but preaching hell fire and brimstone yeah right and you know that you know this is god's indictment upon you this is what will happen to you and yes there are chapters in the holy quran which deal with punishment yeah but overall there is you know some people might might, might think i'm a being bit controversial here right yeah. but the holy quran has a vagueness to it yeah So that vagueness is there so that it is there to lead you as a true believer on a path of exploration exploration and right? to um satisfaction in the sense that you are on the right path to find god so yeah. that's the entire that's the entire mm. purpose of islam so that's what you're submitting to yeah. so um and i totally agree that 
um, yes, there is the element of uh, punishment and fear in terms of, you know, taqwa is to mm-hmm. just always think the meaning of taqwa is the yeah. fear of God. Yeah, that fear God of is God. always yeah, there. So, uh, but, you know, the beauty of Islam mm-hmm. is uh, so beautiful that if you just keep following it, that taqwa, you know, it just keeps making you go towards those the things which things, are more, the, yeah, things, the, right? the good things, yeah? exactly. So exactly. I totally agree with your, you know, your interpretation. Yeah. Of it, so, so, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, the beauty of radio, right? And I suppose that's the, the, the gift that God has given us as human beings. We have the capability, as radio has, of professing good and bad, yeah. and then choosing good or bad, right? Exactly. This. Because we are human consciousness. That's what elevates us from the animals, exactly. effectively, right? And then again, once I, I, as I said in the beginning, it, it is what you want to listen to. If you mm-hmm. want to listen to bad, if that's what you, if you're lis- hoping to listening to bad, you know, there's mm. so many times, right? Um, I like smooth radio. Smooth, I don't like gangster rap, yeah, right? Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I was going to say it. So in, in, in this regards, look, there's so many times I'm hoping to listen to something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily in regards to religion or politics, mm-hmm. but just general other subjects, right? Mm-hmm. And if I don't find what I'm listening to, I, I, I want to switch over. I'm going to mm-hmm. just go on with it. So It doesn't engage you, Exactly. Right? It, it, not just the engagement. It's just what that subject, that, mm-hmm. the, the, the content, way, the agenda, right, the agenda okay. is what I want. What the, If it's not fitting my agenda, mm-hmm. this is just a personal thing. I'm right. not saying that I'm... No, but I think, you know, you're, you're, this is, you know what, if we, A, we want to hear something that we want, you know, whether yeah. it's music, right? It doesn't fit our ear. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to flip the channel, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's like, right, actually I'm into, I want to find out exactly what uh, the prime minister's got about him yeah. regarding, you know, the non-dom status, yeah. that's me being political again, sorry. I'll be flipping onto channels which are talking about that, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just personal preference, your indifference to 100%. these subjects, yeah. right? But I mean, you know, radio and politics, you know, however, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the present times with the what is known as the fifth generation warfare, 5GW, right, uh, media, you know, we find actually in radio broadcasting also, it's playing that, it's, it's a form of propaganda, yeah. like we're saying, yeah. And radio has a strong influence on this political landscape as well. And, you know, we've seen that in our leaders, whether it's, you know, in the past, obviously they use radio more as a medium yeah. than they do to, uh, you know, in the present day. Um, I mean, you know, if we look back uh, historically during World War Two, you know, that, you know, we didn't have TVs, right? We didn't yeah? have TVs and radio. That was and the biggest thing. I you mean, know, the king's speech, in, right? During, during like the research of all of this as well. So I was just uh, trying to make this like drawing it in the sense that we've ex- sort of experienced a wartime which was similar, similar to World War Two in mm-hmm. the pandemic, right? right. So, and, and what do we used to look forward to? The five mm-hmm. o'clock uh, prime minister's speech oh yeah every day even though i uh, didn't say yeah look for yeah but yeah mostly, i know what you mean you know, right? the, the, yeah yeah, yeah. so this was mean. this was the update and i think mm-hmm. during wartime as well it was yeah exactly that particular you know radio hour yeah what's the update what, mm-hmm. where have the allied forces moved we're yeah, talk, exactly we're speaking about from the allied forces point of view yeah. but the germans would obviously be speaking from or listening to what they mm-hmm. want to hear of uh how the Germ- access yeah. uh, forces so so it was so important and mm-hmm. This was, you know, this was my sort of way of understanding it, you mm. know, and the anticipation behind it. Now we have the TV, mm. uh, but then it was. But the, that's that's like um, then I suppose it was news, yeah. right? Now it's propaganda, so it's changed somewhat, I or maybe it was, it was always like that. No, I think it was always propaganda in both All cases. Right. So the the um, 
There was once uh, I was watching a documentary uh, when the Allied forces were right inside Berlin. Mm-hmm. The soldiers in Berlin were, you know, they were they, they were the, the the German soldiers. There's a vi- there's a video of them like drinking a cup of tea, mm-hmm. and this was recorded and this was being relayed back to. Uh, Germany that oh no no it's all fine it's all fine uh, so it's always been, been propaganda, propaganda right. in when it comes to war but mm-hmm. um, well to speak more about this uh, or radio as a medium and its impact globally we're joined by our first guest of the day uh, Zoeb Khan uh, now Zoeb is a poet educational keynote speaker he won the title of Australian Poetry Slam Champion in 2014 he's also done uh, numerous workshops to inspire and bring confidence to young people Peace and blessings be upon you, Zoeb. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Waalaikumsalam. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an honour because you're the Australian Poetry Grand, well, Slam champion, right? Uh, good on you, mate. So, how? <laughs> Thank ha- you very much, mate. <laughs> so, how has media, in 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 terms of radio, right, helped you to inspire young people towards you know developing? themselves as people, you know, their own self-development? Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. Well, maybe not particularly the radio, but primarily a lot of my workshops and self-development programs are on YouTube, and that's a form of radio, I could say. And the way that young people interact with these workshops and get them to really think about what they're thinking about and planning mm-hmm. their life and writing, and to double up on my answer, I've just remembered uh, I did a lot of work in youth justice, in, in detention centres for young offenders and one of the programs that I ran in Australia was we wrote poems, we got them to reflect on the goals that they wanted to do outside mm-hmm. when they finished their sentences and then they did these poems on their local radio, their radio within the centre mm-hmm. and that's one of the most successful programs that I've had because it gives young people this sense of accomplishment that, oh, my voice is being heard. Mm -hmm. Usually that's on a stage when they'd have the opportunities, but in those institutions, they can't really run poetry slams. So that just came to me then. Thanks for the question. So, no, so uh, sorry, Rana. I was just like thinking because that's that's like, really mm. piqued my interest, right? Because mm. you know, did you find then, you know, when you were running this uh, this program with uh, juveniles, right, in detention or in prison, that actually it, it was kind of quite a therapeutic tool for them to because like we see, okay, uh, maybe this is not the correct analogy, but say for instance, uh, trauma victims. They're not able to say, for instance, speak. They might act out actually, and they don't know that they're suffering from something like post-traumatic uh, stress uh, disorder, right? Or maybe the factors that you know influence them to commit crime. So through the medium, you know, like writing poetry, did you find that yes, you know what, actually, it addresses themselves individually, their root causes. Most definitely. Right, and that is one of the reasons uh, the written word is so powerful, and the mm-hmm. performed word is so powerful, is because it allows us to reflect on on ourselves and the lives that we live. And I think we've all got degrees of trauma. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine these children who are in detention are more likely to have trauma than others. But even you know, uh, within my workshops with children and ad- young adults from migrant backgrounds, we carry these different forms of identity and making those meld within the societies that we now live in 
um, and melding our old lives and our parents and our grandparents' stories with mm-hmm. the current situation that we're in. Writing allows you to be allows to to be therapeutic in many many ways, and that's what I did do in that program where these young offenders. Um, got to plan their lives through the written word and poetry. Mm-hmm. So Zaheb, in your workshops, uh, my question is there is to you. Therefore, is how do you make your educational talks inclusive to all children, including those who are neurodiverse? That's a great question. It's about creating a feel for the room, and I'm a big believer in yo. Let's all let's all walk for a little while before we run. And I'm so fortunate that I get to build this rapport with everybody in the room. And when human beings feel safe, then they are more likely to express what they really want to. And when you've got children of a neurodiverse background and neurodiverse requirements, building that one-on-one rapport with them is essential for them to make sure that they feel safe. And one of the first exercises that I ever do in every single workshop that I do is something that I call a brain dump or a thought dump. Or I've got various names for it. And essentially, it's a pressure-free environment where for five minutes, let's write. Mm-hmm. Let's write whatever comes into your mind. Don't worry about spelling, grammar, neatness, messiness, thisness, thatness. Mm-hmm. It's just about getting yourself and all the thoughts, that, that conversation in your head onto a piece of paper. Okay. And that's the crawling. That's the walking that we do in the workshops. And that gives me an idea, okay, this is the student that I was told about that has neurodiverse needs. And in this instance, maybe they're struggling, maybe they're not, maybe they're flying. And building that one-on-one relationship, you can have all the tactics in the world, but um, it's, it's about letting them walk before they run. And by the end of it, um, the ones that you least expect are absolutely sprinting. Okay, brilliant. So... Um... Being a diverse, uh, being an exquisite poet, do you think poetry can be a source of peace in any form? Uh, yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, I think we as poets have a responsibility to talk about the world around us. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my more prominent poems, uh, the hook of it is, uh, imagine, imagine a world where people are treated as equals. Imagine a world where people are not categorized by skin tone, religion, gender or size. And that's that's a poem that's been translated into half a dozen languages or so. Mm-hmm. And when I'm fortunate enough to tour the world, I'll, I'll try to learn it phonetically. Um, I, I, I've learned it pretty well in Japanese. And when I go and perform in Japan, mm-hmm. my Japanese audiences really, really respond to that. And there's something about this bearded two-meter brown man that gets on a stage and can connect with a Japanese audience through mm-hmm. the art of poetry, which is a form of um, promoting peace in itself. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, poets, we're all poets. Um, some of us just pursue it a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. So, Zob, you hail from Australia. I mean, where exactly in Australia are you from? I am uh, from a lovely little town called Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. New South Wales, right? Yeah. Okay, and you're south of Sydney then? Oh, um, about five hours um, drive from Sydney, about five hours in, right. in the outback. So, yeah. so what kind of, a, what, if any, influence did, did you have with Aboriginal culture? Because um, my limited experience with Aboriginal culture is that, you know, they have an oral history. There's nothing written. 
Yeah, and the history, you know, is is you know tens of decades back, right? So, yeah. was there any influence there on you? I guess it's it's in the air, mm-hmm. and um, I'm fourth generation Australian on my father's side um, from the subcontinent, mm-hmm. and my mother's first generation Pakistani. Right, and I would hear stories from my dad because he grew up in very small country towns, even smaller than Wagga Wagga. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like you know hundred people. Right. And the stories I would get via him about, you know, my grandfather and my great-grandfather in, interacting with the indigenous cultures mm-hmm. um, felt a lot more authentic and felt more, they had more of a connection than, say, the primarily white population. There was some sort of solidarity in that. Mm-hmm. And I guess if any influence, not necessarily through the oral histories of the dream timing and mm-hmm. the, the traditions that the indigenous people have, the only connection I could have about my work and the indigenous population is just this sense of solidarity that I have of we're a little bit different, but, you know, we're very strong and proud people. That's mm-hmm. my best way of answering that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is very spiritual. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you yeah, know, I've, I'm sure those people you know, who traveled to Australia and have never been there are, mm. I think, first and first and foremost, surprised at the vastness of the country. The just you know, like you said, you're five hours in the outback, right, from New Sid- uh, from Sydney, and five hours is most probably a normal kind of like ride uh, in Australia. Yeah. Uh, here in the UK, five hours pretty much gets you from you know, from one end to literally half of the country here in the UK. So there's that vastness of space. And um, I suppose that in itself, uh, say in the Northern Territories there, you have this connection, right, to a creator. You really do. Uh, When you're out in the outback and you see, you you just see the vastness of the country. It's just truly beautiful. Yeah, most definitely. Mm. Uh, The... It's it's Australia first and foremost is huge. The from Sydney to Perth is a, uh, something like from here to Moscow. I think yeah. it's even longer. Yeah. And I've been out into communities and I've been out into the Northern Territory and now back South Australia. And the most beautiful thing about that part of the world is you get a connection with the indigenous population, but also there's remnants of those original um, Ghans, as they call them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the cameleers that came from the subcontinent, from Afghanistan, Pakistan, mm. and uh, and India. And there's remnants of the oldest mosque in Australia is in this t- little town called Mari, mm-hmm. which I think is about 15 hours drive from Adelaide. And Adelaide is in the okay. middle of nowhere yeah. as well. And I, I, I was fortunate enough to go out that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to go to, you know, some holy cities of Islam, and that felt incredibly special. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense of, I'm in the outback, I can see every single star, mm-hmm. I hear nothing but the occasional animal sound, mm-hmm. and I think, as I think back to those moments, I'm like, those are the moments that I've felt more, most connected with God, yeah, because exactly. I've had this, I'm in the, I'm the middle of Australia, and mm. they call it God's country, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have that feeling of uh being almost insignificant right mm. but not insignificant in a kind of like a, a trivial kind of way it's like wow i'm just this little like dot in mm. this massive kind of like 
dot picture, which is the universe, yeah. right? And then yeah. someone's created us because look how big it is, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Zaib. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Let's do it Peace again sometime O two O eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Um, I mean, yeah, Zahib was like talking about uh, you know the spreading the word of peace. I mean, you know, can radio do that really? I mean, through education. Well, radio has been has been also been used for mediating peace and education within society. Mm-hmm. We all go through difficult phases in life, and sometimes we need to hear soothing and inspirational voices. Gangster mm. rap. <laughs> uh, people of similar interests come together to share their knowledge. But you did have the beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people of similar interests come together and share their knowledge and help us uh, listeners to develop a better mindset. And that, that again, once again, it's what you want to hear, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. It helps build soci- a society that is inclusive to everyone. Uh, obviously, an, in, an inclusive society doesn't just mean uniting different race and cultures together, but also means to be open and welcoming towards people of all kind. People who may not uh, be neurotypical, I saw you Google that as well, and I hoped I could have read it from here, but I couldn't. <laughs> neurotypical, for, uh, for example, yeah. autism, autism, autism and other learning disorders. So mm. that's very important yeah, uh, exactly. to bring those people, you know, you, you just don't want exclusion of any yeah, kind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when we talk about peace and Islam, there's no better person really than our, our spiritual leader here, and in the UK, His Holiness Muslim Masra Ahmed, who is the head of the worldwide uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And here's what he's, said, what he's got to say regarding Islam and peace. In chapter 4, verse 37, the Holy Quran states that, and worship Allah and associate not with him, and show kindness to parents and to kindred and to orphans and the needy, and to the neighbor who is a kinsman, and the neighbor who is a stranger, and the companion by your side, and the wayfarer, and those whom your right hand possesses, possess. Surely Allah loves not the arrogant and the boastful. This single verse of the Holy Quran is a magnificent charter of morality, and human rights. It is <clears throat> golden pathway to peace and a means to brotherly love. In this verse, apart from his worship, Allah the Almighty commands Muslims to treat their parents and relatives with love and affection. He commands them to support and comfort the most vulnerable members of society, such as orphans or those deprived in any way. Thereafter, special mention is made to fulfilling the rights of one's neighbors. Muslims are taught to love and protect their neighbors and to be ever ready to help them in their times of need. So those were the words of His Holiness Mizra Muslim Ahmad, um, uh, head of the worldwide Muslim uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Now another golden principle to establishing peace, uh, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, 
is in chapter 16. Now, in chapter 16, uh, it says in the Holy Quran, Verily, Allah enjoins justice and doing of good to others and giving like kindred. So the Holy Quran does not only call upon Muslims to be fair and just, but rather it has established a higher standard of treating others. And, you know, obviously, you know, being uh, Muslims, right, practicing Muslims, Rana, we know that, you know, the, the two, okay, you know, you can go into the five pillars of Islam, but the two, I think, you know, kind of like tenets are that, you know, you worship God is number one. Number two is you do right unto God's creation, God's right? Creation, so this yeah. is this this is what we're talking about. And uh, um, His Holiness said that, uh, in fact, he elaborated on this point and said, you know, where Allah the Almighty says, giving like kindred, you know, it requires a believer to favor others and to always desire the very best for them, yeah. as you would divide the you know desire for yourself. Um, so, you know, it's that that. That is what can be the message. That is what can be the yeah. message in the sense... The radio can the propagate. Ra yes, and uh, then again, it's the importance of the, your content and mm -hmm. uh, how you structure your content. And uh, once again, what is your target? Not, mm -hmm. You know, when you say target audience, um, you, you, you shouldn't, I think, in regards to radio and uh, spreading peace, there shouldn't be a target audience because... Mm -hmm. Peace is something which should be sent to everyone. So yeah. you can't exactly say, well, this is my target audience. Mm -hmm. So to your audience, uh, your content has to be uh, structured in a way that it gives that message. Mm -hmm. um, and in regards to, you know, uh, for your this point on giving like kindred, um, when we look at it from Islam's history as well, um, when the Muslims had to migrate to Medina, for instance, in the time of the Prophet, Wasallam. Uh, you know, the, these uh, Muslims had left behind a lot of their assets, their properties in Mecca, and they had to somehow, you know, uh, immerse into a new society in Medina mm -hmm. with the residents of Medina who are mm. now embracing Islam. Mm. So one of the greatest examples we've seen of this, you know, this particular, ver this point is that those Muslims in Medina, they became the Ansar or the helpers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would uh, sacrifice whatever they had for their new brothers. So mm -hmm. um, Islam, you know, they this this particular teaching, it began right in the you know the the genesis of Islam itself mm -hmm. in the early years, first mm -hmm. twelve years. So um, this is something which we I think uh, you know this message should be relayed and should be uh, spread out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, w whatever we find best for ourselves uh, is what we should hope that we see in our you know peers mm -hmm. and everyone we'll around us. Wish yeah. for our yeah. peers, really. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's very nice segue because we, we have another uh, audio clip of His Holiness uh, regarding exactly this. You know, what is the key to world peace? From an Islamic perspective, we should strive for the entire world to unite together. In terms of currency, the world should be united. In terms of free business and trade, the world should be united. And in terms of freedom of movement and immigration, cohesive and practical policies should be developed so that the world can become united. Consequently, the Islamic viewpoint is that peace can best be achieved through unity. Yet, regretfully, instead of uniting, we are seeking separation 
and prioritizing our individual interests over the collective interests of the world. I believe that such policies will and already are undermining the world's peace and security. So once again, uh, we find that actually um, radio as a medium is perfect because if you think about it, right, it's <laughs> and it's just come to my mind now, Rana, right, because it's totally uh, has no perda issues, right? Sorry, repeat the no, well, no issues. Radio, right, yes. as a medium yes, to yes. propagate a message. Yep, yep. Okay, because you can't see who's propagating that message. Oh yes, and race, color, or creed. No, exactly. Sexuality. Well, you know that's a good question because um, people who are experienced in life would probably be able to. I, I, I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone, but you know, you do get the understanding that you understand where this message is coming from mm -hmm. as well. But yeah, I get the point that. Mm -hmm. um, you don't see this person, and mm -hmm. it's just a voice. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know this person, you don't know what is, uh, you know, what 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 his usual line of thinking is, mm -hmm. and if he's following that line of thinking. But it's mm -hmm. just maybe a message. Uh, so yes, that is correct. Um, mm -hmm. But radio, in terms of sp uh, spreading peace itself, uh, yeah. Once again, I would I would continue to reemphasize that it is the the structure of your message and what you're trying to. Uh, background and what you want to listen to, what channel. If I'm listening to Voice of Islam, I want to listen to uh, the best parts of Islam, mm -hmm. uh, a good message of Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, if I want to listen to something else, you know, other channels, I'm, I know what mm -hmm. I want. But what I'm, okay, I take your point. Yeah. But my, uh, I suppose, yeah, I should have phrased it in, in a better way, was that I suppose with the medium of radio, you're not distracted by anything else no, exactly. right? you just hear the voice yeah and uh fully understand that you know you can tune into and you don't know what the agenda yeah. is of yeah. that person who's presenting if right? you're if you're flicking through yeah if that's you're flicking, flicking through, through. Right? and if you're in 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 a in a closed space yeah. as well yeah so but also so so from my kind of like what I, what i'm getting to is that actually it has that penetration then it has that that reach right because you know you could be like listening in on voice of islam yeah. by accident right you're yeah. i don't know driving flicking through the channels and this would be your first um maybe first if you're you know if you're a non-muslim yeah um interaction interaction with islam right? exactly it's, it's it's with so many things isn't it so uh, for people who are just flicking through driving and they're looking for something and they're listening to maybe LBC, um, for instance, and a subject that's on that, that could be your first interaction to mm -hmm. that as well. And, you, you know, you do it in a, a subliminal way. Is that mm -hmm. the right way yeah, to say yeah. it? Yeah. So, you, you you know, you're just driving through and you're focusing on traffic. But uh, it's it's something that's good that's going into you, a message, a mm -hmm. knowledge is going into your head and then you know when you're uh, out and about with your social gatherings your friends mm -hmm. and sometimes these topics pop up pop up and you know you've you recollect you recollect that you mm -hmm. might have heard it you you did mm -hmm. hear this uh, about this uh, i mean and i suppose oh uh, my point being is that uh ra radio as a medium is just but a tool yeah right so it's as devastating hurtful yeah as you know the the people behind the voice yeah. right yeah, the producers, the presenter, yeah. and the message that they're getting out. Yeah, and I think we we touched on this uh, earlier on that you know there's this debate: is it news? Is it propaganda? Yeah. So that's what 
we would encourage you here on Voice of Islam is that always don't just take what we're talking yeah. as being you know, uh, true, but it is, right? Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> but don't take it for granted. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we've piqued an interest into Islam, that is what we want to do. Yeah. Right. You need to then, <clears throat> whether you're a non-believer, an atheist, agnostic, non-Muslim, Muslim, right? You need to kind of like, okay, what well, these guys are talking makes sense. Okay, I get what they're talking about. You then need to go, right, and do further research on your own. Well, not just the fact that it's making sense. According to me, I could say this isn't making sense to me, but, mm-hmm. you know, why does it make sense to them? You know, mm-hmm. why are they, you know, and they, they're, they're so eloquent and they're so, I'm not saying we're, you, I, you are definitely eloquent, <laughs> but I'm just saying they're so brilliant. There's no that, coffee and cookies <laughs> for you, mate, right? I, that, I've, got a high, I've got a higher purchase level. Okay. But the, the point is that, you know, they are so passionate about expressing their point and they mm-hmm. believe in their point. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it differing to what I believe in? So that's mm-hmm. yeah, you one hundred percent. If if there is that element of disagreement, yeah, research because like what, you yeah. you can hear some kind of other uh, talk shows, right? Yeah. Like exactly what you're saying. Oh my God, that guy is so fervent. Yeah, let's let's have an example. Yeah, no, no, there's a, there's a morning guy yeah. on LBC. Yeah, totally disagree with his point yeah. of view, but he is proper. He believes it. Believes, believes it, right? it. Exactly. So then you're you're kind of like you're almost on that roller coaster ride with him. Yeah. But then, once again, I would say to you, and we would hear a voice of Islam say to you, right? Believe us, because we truly believe we are, you know, propagating Islam, the true face of Islam here. But also do your research. And, you know, without further ado, we'll go to our next guest, who is Imam Majib Mirza. And he is actually the chairman of Voice of Islam. Peace and blessings be upon you, Majib. Uh, Imam Majib, I should say. Uh, otherwise, I'll get sacked. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the uh, Drive Time show today. No, just like, thank you for having me. I, I'm actually not the chairman. I am the secretary. So oh, I you know what? Right. You know my, I feel the guillotine. But, yeah. I feel the guillotine on the back of my neck already. So being, being so Imam Majib, right, being the lead at Voice of Islam, or the, the, the general secretary, right, the, the guy that pulls the the... The strings, let's say, or holds us all together, I should say, is a better way. What is the difference that you see uh, back then when you first started to now in terms of development of Voice of Islam? Um, that's a very good question, but at the, at the same time, very comprehensive one. I can mm-hmm. go on for long for this one. Okay, you got we two minutes. We started back in 2016, and we are now in 2023, and yeah. so much has happened, so many things have changed, so many developments in terms of the content, the production, the programming, mm. the social media aspect, or the the website, or our reach in terms of the audience, the teams. Again, there is so much that has happened. And my other belief, as you've been talking about, is that we believe it, that this is a divinely-led community, and mm-hmm. uh, the progression or the progress we've had is down to the blessings of God Almighty. We started off with no knowledge of radio whatsoever, mm. and it wasn't something that we were taught, but we learned. And just like uh, you guys have been speaking very eloquently, we never had any presenting skills, but now, um, by the grace of Allah Almighty, our presenters are very good, and so much so that we've had requests from other radio stations for coming to us and asking that can, if they can use other content. So we've mm-hmm. come 
a long way from where with those from those humble beginnings back mm-hmm. in 2016, where the message given to us by His Holiness was that our purpose. Of the registration is to portray the true true teachings of Islam. Mm. Uh, so, Majib, uh, well. Chairman Majib, or Secretary Majib, um, <laughs> over the past few years, how do you think Voice of Islam Radio has helped in propagating peace within the society? Um, so, again, the last couple of years have been very unique, different to the to the past. I would say the COVID and everything that's happened, and uh, we've managed to basically really help communities at large. Whether it was the you know, come information about the COVID and things like that, the NHS information, and what I would call, to answer your question, I'll go back to a feedback that I received some some months ago from a person. He was having a difficulty understanding Islam, and he came across our radio channel, mm-hmm. and he was so um, so amazed by the content that we were pushing. He was his 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 views were that. Since I started listening to you guys, I, fi- I finally found what I was looking for, and the teaching of Islam has started to make sense. And I think that was the purpose of the radio station, to guide those people. So I think we as a community would carry on doing whatever we can to propagate the message of peace, because this is what we believe in, and our radio station is just another medium of doing that. Mm. So, you know, being, as we all are here, at the Voice of Islam, Amdi Muslims, the promised Messiah, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, has made or had made great emphasis on serving humanity as being the linchpin, the key to peace. I mean, how do you think, you know, Voice of Islam has helped in this regard to towards the poor, vulnerable and the deprived? Um, another very important question. So I think when I, when I think about this question, I think about what did we do for the people who didn't have the voices. So mm-hmm. a prime example would be the, the situation in the Middle East, uh, in right. Syria and Turkey with the earthquake. We were approached by many different charities to raise awareness of the work that they're doing and how people can donate and give money and help those vulnerable people in, in Syria and Turkey. And we were at the forefront, not only just helping out in spreading the message of our own charities, which is the Humanity First, but at the same time, sending out their messages that this is how you can, how listeners can help mm-hmm. um, those who are suffering or who are in difficulty at this at this stage. So our purpose, you are correct, the, the, the ethos of this community is to help mankind and at the same time help mankind realize the, the true teaching of Islam and God. So we do that by different ways. One, spreading the message. Secondly, how can we help communities at large? And I briefly touched upon how in COVID we would uh, be working very closely with NHS. Whatever the latest information was to propagate, we were doing that. And we would have fillers play. We have different programs, for example, some of the programs which are very beneficial to people uh, with, uh, let's say, medical issues. There's a, there's a show called Medical Matters that solely just talks about different um, health challenges that people face and how we've been guiding them that this is something that they can do, or this is how they should go about navigating the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm, very well said. Well, uh, Imam Majib, General Secretary, stroke, whatever you want to call yourself, <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you Thank for joining you us today on the Drive time. time Show. He particularly had an okay. issue with Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take care. All right, bye. Welcome.
0208-687-7878. And so, you know, when we think about um, messages, right, uh, in terms of, you know, how... Uh, I've come to a mental block right now. Yes, no, sorry. How, you know, the do you think nowadays, though, right, radio has still got a place, in what? your opinion? You know, in the plethora of social media that we have now, you know, all those distractions. I mean, is it really that tall for, you know, reaching out to the young? Bit um, dissing, really, given that it is radio day, but hey Well, yes, and yeah. <clears throat> it has, when you specifically talk about the young now, for the young, okay, let's say they're into, we're moving away from education and sport here, we're, uh, sorry, education and, uh, you know, religion here, we're talking mm-hmm. about if you can't afford uh, satellite TV, mm-hmm. if you can't afford Sky Sports, if you mm-hmm. can't afford Virgin Sports or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the radio is one of the cheapest sources mm-hmm. of keeping up to date with uh, sports, for instance. Mm-hmm. So it does have a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in regards to, you know, uh, everyone who, they, they, most people want to drive by the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, they want to have their own content. Um, but if they don't have their own yeah, content, my own got, playlist, yeah, yeah or, I don't want to hear that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, or they they have the radio, so yes, it is important, uh, and obviously radio mm. channels which are directed for the youth, mm. so it has its place. In regards to the wider context and uh, the uh, the world itself, as I said in the beginning, that the radio plays a massive role in uh, different industries. So, for instance, in the I'm not saying that this is an industry, but um, in the spread of the message of peace and Islam, uh, the radio plays a huge part in Africa, uh, Mm -hmm. as I've seen myself uh, just, you know, staying in one place and in the remote areas of Africa, if you've got a radio station, uh, some people, they don't have the facility of TV, so they Mm -hmm. could hear the Friday sermon Mm -hmm. through a radio link. Mm-hmm. In their in their villages, and mm-hmm. the imam, the the muallim, mm-hmm. as they would say, it, could translate it into their local languages. Yeah, so yeah. it does play a huge role for different mm-hmm. different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I think I've covered the youth part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I could say it any better than that. That mm-hmm. what, why would the youth want to be listening to the radio now? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you've got better reasons as to why no, the youth. You're, you're younger than me, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. No, but, I'm, uh, but, you, <laughs> but, but I mean, in terms of look, still. The reach of radio, yeah. right, uh, versus other social media platforms, yeah. is huge. It's three billion. Three billion, right? exactly. Yeah. So this is just under half the world's population. Forty percent, right? you could say. Yeah, 40%, right. Yeah. So it's still huge. Yeah. And so if you imagine, right, what is the global um, Muslim community? Is one billion something? Isn't yeah. it right? So look, there's still right thirty-nine billion. Yeah. To go. What am I talking about? Uh, you mean? No, I mean it's seven billion. No, sorry. Yeah. You still got six billion to go, right? Yeah, exactly. For the message to get to them. Yeah. And for them to appreciate the message. So yes, there's still capacity, mm-hmm. but the, you know that's the thing with Islam, um, and with radio. I think it's a, it's a perfect medium for Islam, really. Yeah, because. Yeah. I heard actually from a non-Muslim recently, uh, and I think she had a Jewish background, and she she had read, she was doing her research on the Quran and commentaries of the Quran, 
and it came to her that actually, the Quran needs to be recited, and it needs to be recited aloud. Yeah, for one to truly appreciate the beauty of it. Exactly. Right. One hundred percent. And the impact that it has, it's like uh, it, it could be mentally soothing, yeah. and uh, that is in itself, you know, something that attracts you towards. Mm. Research of the yeah. Quran, and uh, I mean, we've got this like I suppose it's not new wave, but this move towards if you aren't religious, this you know spirituality, yeah. and ever since COVID, yeah. you know when we've been a bit isolated in our own kind of houses, self identification, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we're joined by our last guest of the day uh, to speak more about Radio Day, uh, Sabiha Iqbal, who is chaplain, female president of Pathway to Peace program. Uh, Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you, Sabiha. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Thank you for having me on the show. And um, just a small correction, I'm not the president, but um, I'm one of the panel members. So oh, panel. Right. Okay. So I really am not going to be presenting next week, I don't think. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so uh, apologies for that. Um, no what are some of the key aspects of current day conflicts? And to what extent do you think radio plays a role in this. So I think myself and Rana were having the discussion. Is it more nowadays, is radio more information, news, or is it propaganda? Yeah, that's, a, I think, a really pertinent question. I think that um, it's something, um, as you've had an opportunity to discuss as well, and I think um, one can argue it can be one or the other, absolutely. But I think what's really important to take um, into account is that I think one of the key aspects that leads to conflict often is a lack of understanding of, of, of the other, okay? And not knowing perhaps what people's intentions are, agendas are. So is it to give news or is it propaganda, as you've quite rightly asked the question? But I think, you know, a greater gap, um, it, you know, is needs to be kind of, the, the gap needs to be filled. And I think that in current day conflicts, or whether that's something that we want to raise attention to, you know, something in the media, um, a campaign perhaps, you know, that um, is being um, uh, channeled. I think radio offers an opportunity to be able to bridge the understanding between different mm. parties. And that's what um, my experience of radio has certainly been, is an opportunity to be able to learn, absolutely, and uh, be informed, um, but also engage in, in dialogue as well. Mm, I suppose, you know, Sabiha, it's like also to give voice or give a voice to those who are unheard in mainstream media. Absolutely, yeah, that's a very, very good point as well. Yeah. So, how has this, uh, the Voice of Islam Pathway to Peace program been a powerful source in resolving current conflicts? Uh, again, a really good question. I think one of um, the things that I, I can certainly you know, quite uh, boldly say is that Pathway to Peace you know, covers a breadth of different topics and it frames you know, the discussion of those topics you know, intentionally in trying to um, address the, the kind of um, economic, societal, political um, issues around um, a achieving or attaining peace um, as well as inner peace. And economic, societal, political um, peace uh, are things that we realise um, are, are things which are, are people are um, uh, conflicted about. Okay, whether that's on an international scale, whether that's on a personal scale, um, these are things which affect us um, and affect the, the peace of society. Um, what Pathway to Peace does, I think, particularly, is that it, it's not about a right or a wrong. It offers a perspective and tries to offer balance, raising awareness. Um, and I think like most shows on Voice of Islam, it tries to stimulate our thought process 
in a way um, that makes us think about what is our responsibility to the world as well that we live in. Mm-hmm. I see. So, I mean, um, I should have prefaced it before you came on. So, you know, Pathway to Peace is a panel discussion on a program within uh, Voice of Islam. So how does the program itself, right, uh, contribute to internal peace? Because you know, you're talking about macro issues, yeah? You're, you're discussing, mm-hmm. whether it be global or domestic issues um, in panel, but how does that actually contribute to an internal peace? That's a really good question again, Francois. I think, as I said earlier, it's a radio generally stimulates our thought process in ways that, um, in in some ways, you don't need somebody else um, there present. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're listening, um, and that's one of the key. I think um, I think emphasis needs to be given on the listening part that you're actually absorbing and you're listening to things, and it's it's an opportunity for you to be able to formulate your own thoughts without um, you know a need of images or videos, you know, etc. That you might get from other mediums of how news is. Um, communicated to you or information is communicated to you. So when you are listening, I think it leads you to um, explore your inner thoughts, your inner feelings about a matter as well, mm-hmm. um, and and use your imagination to yeah. also build on, on those thoughts. And I think it's a way of being able to explore your inner opinion, uh, uh, inner perspective, um, without the interruption of other, other things. Um, and I think that's really helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So as a a panel member of Pathway to Peace programs. Uh, do you feel that conducting radio programs has helped you set an example to others in social or in a social or political way? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's been a tremendous opportunity, um, and I think it's challenged me and reminded me that we all have that responsibility um, to society. And this has been for me a means to be able to communicate that, and I think that's particularly important as, as a chaplain as well. So. Um, it's been a really positive uh, way to be able to explore how we um, attain peace in society. Pathway to Peace particularly it tries to cover, like I said, a breadth of topics and it's very inclusive to people of different ages, cultures. And what's been really beautiful is that it's included people um, of different professions as well. And I think I applaud Voice of Islam um, and the Pathway to Peace team particularly for, in, for being inclusive and engaging women, giving them the platform mm-hmm. to be able to voice um, their thoughts, opinions and views as well with the wider world um, and also to encourage the professional development. It's been a really fantastic opportunity. Mm, because, I mean, the thing is, it's this dispelling, I suppose, this... Um propagated image that females in Islam are subjugated, right? Mm. And are not equal to men, uh, whether it be physically or intellectually, more so the latter intellectually. Mm. I mean, I think most of the female presenters and path and panel um, kind of like participants are way far more intellectual than I myself to start off with. So yeah, it's very it's, humble that it's very no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, I don't even know how to do Facebook or whatever. <laughs> so no, I think it has has you know that's that's the beauty. Uh, I'm not sure if you agree of medium of um, radio is that it does allow you that freedom really, uh, yeah, regardless absolutely. of creed, uh, color, creed, or uh, you know, kind of like sex, you know, to get a yeah. message across. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stigma that sometimes attached to how um, you know uh, women are seen to uh, represent themselves, especially through the Islamic lens. And I think that um, the the means of the medium of radio and the media 
allows people to be able to challenge those prejudices that they might have, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, you know, excuse the pun, but religiously followed Voice of Islam. <laughs> um, and I'm so, so, so passionate about listening to it, not only because I'm a Muslim, but actually it, it offers perspective, which mm-hmm. is, um, I think, been hugely valuable uh, in how I've uh, shaped my thoughts and opinions of, of the wider world. And, and therefore, you know, I've, I've become an ambassador for it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, well said. Um, thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon, Sabiha. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Thank you for having me and thank happy you. radio day to everybody as yep. well. Happy okay. radio day to you as well. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of the show. Um, and you know, any final thoughts on you know radio day? Or concluding thoughts, I should say. Well, to conclude, whilst radio has played a role in articulating hostility other groups, uh, hostility towards other groups, we have seen it to be pow- a powerful tool in not just education, but also a medium for open discussion over sports, entertainment and news, as we've pretty mm-hmm. much covered throughout our program. Voice of Islam is another platform enterta- for entertaining listeners with interactive, di- interactive discussions and people of all kinds of backgrounds. So, yeah, we continue to encourage people, no mm-hmm. matter where you're from, what kind of interests you have. You, you know, we encourage that you join our program mm-hmm. and add to the color, add to the quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the thing is, it's promoting, you know, like you said, you, know, you can promote negativity and you can promote positivity. And through positivity, and in this, re- in this regard, you know, his Holiness, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, uh, may Allah strengthen his hand, yep. uh, had said what? Well, the voice of Islam will manifest the fact that Islam is a religion that teaches Muslims in all countries, in all eras, to join together with the different groups in their societies in an effort to unite mankind in peace and to help their nations prosper and flourish. Certainly, Islam is that religion which, on the basis of its religious teachings and traditions, calls on Muslims to integrate in the very best possible way into their local societies. So, look, this is the uh, entire essence of mm. uh, why we have uh, this founda- this amazing foundation of uh, Voice of Islam, mm-hmm. and it's totally in line with the message of mm-hmm. uh, our, you know, current Imam mm-hmm. and the Imams who have uh, come before him. him. Yeah, exactly. before him. Uh, integration in society means to become, you know, the best. Uh, you know, one of the best uh, aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, someone that society looks up to as well. Mm. So, I mean, um, if we if we relate that to say the previous topic, that's what we need. Yeah. We need role models. Role right? models, yeah, exactly. Role models and positive role models. But yeah. with that, um, yeah, I give thanks to my co-host today, yeah, uh, Rana Atta Rahman, uh, our producers for the scripts and the researchers. Yeah, Anna Mahmood and Nigarish Mahmood, and obviously. Without our backroom staff, yeah. Habib, we would not be coming to your, uh, or our dulcet tones would not be coming to your ears. Yeah. So that was Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show.